If you've had the courage to watch movies like Conjuring, Amityville, or Annabelle, you might be familiar with this extraordinary couple. She was a psychic medium, he was a demonologist. Together, they investigated thousands of paranormal cases, each more spectacular than the previous one, and became the most famous ghost hunters. Their names? Lorraine and Ed Warren. Through their greatest investigations, discover their fabulous destiny. In the bustling city of Bridgeport, north of New York, Edward Warren has just been hired as an usher at the Colonial Theater. On a Wednesday afternoon, he meets Lorraine. They're only 16 years old, but it's the beginning of a great love story. They get married the following year. In 1945, after returning from World War II, Ed enrolls in an art school. Painting is his passion, but he learns nothing in school. He eventually drops out because he has another plan. Since he was a child, the young man has been obsessed with ghosts and spirits because he himself lived in a haunted house. From the ages of 5 to 12, his nights were disturbed by the sound of the closet opening by itself and visits from a ball of light with the face of an old lady. His parents never believed the stories of this lonely little boy and thought it was just nightmares but he would spend his life chasing after these mischievous spirits. Furthermore, his wife Lorraine also has a special connection to the occult world. Since the age of nine, she claims to have been able to perceive auras, a kind of luminous halo around certain people. But like him, no one believed her. She was even sent on a retreat to put an end to these whimsical ideas. So in 1945, the young Warren couple buys an old car and sets off to explore the northeastern United States. Whenever they hear about a haunted location, they go there. Edward sets up on the street and creates beautiful sketches of the houses in question, adorned with his personal touch, ghosts coming out of the windows. Then Lorraine knocks on the door of the residence and offers them her husband's artworks. She takes advantage of the opportunity to use her mediumship skills and check if there is indeed a supernatural presence. Thanks to this technique, they manage to be invited into these haunted houses and carry out their first investigations. As they delve into these cases, they discover a true calling. Both devout Catholics, they understand that their mission is to use their gifts to help tormented individuals. Their fame would explode in the 1960s, and it was in the 1970s that they were entrusted with cases that would remain amongst the most famous of their careers. The first one, probably the most well-known, dates back to 1970. Lorraine and Edward Warren go to the home of two nursing students. 
Donna, one of them, received a large fabric doll for her birthday. After a few days, when they returned home, the two roommates noticed that the doll seems to have changed positions. The following week, they find it in another room. There is no doubt the doll is possessed. However, the toy doesn't seem to want to harm them, so they don't try to get rid of it. Out of curiosity, they consult a medium, who tells them that in the same house, a seven-year-old child named Annabelle Higgins died a few years ago. During a seance, the spirit asked to inhabit the doll's body. Out of compassion, the two young girls agree. But after that, the Annabelle doll becomes less friendly. On two occasions, it attacks the boyfriend of one of the students, first by trying to strangle him in his sleep, and then by scratching his chest until it draws blood. After listening to the unfortunate tenants, the Warren couple delivers their verdict. It is not the spirit of the deceased child that is disturbing them, but a demon who took advantage of their compassion to toy with them. Just a few days later, it could have seized their souls and killed them. Ed and Lorraine offer to take the doll with them to prevent it from harming anyone who comes across it. They themselves become victims of its malevolence as they lose control of their car several times on their way back. When they arrive home, the doll takes a place of honor in the museum they have opened in their basement, full of possessed toys and other relics. A few years later, the Warrens' fame once again makes their phone ring. Ed and Lorraine hear the distress of the Perron family, so they travel to Rhode Island, where Roger and Carolyn have just bought a large estate for themselves and their five daughters. While they dreamed of a peaceful life, they quickly realized they were not alone in the house of their dreams. One of the ghosts come to say goodnight to their children, another sweeps the kitchen, while another appears as a calmly playing little boy. Nothing terrifying, but another entity takes advantage of their trust. The manifestations of this demon become increasingly violent. Screams, pinches, slaps, levitating beds. The mother becomes the primary target of the evil spirit and the father even recounts being touched in inappropriate places. Lorraine Warren's mediumship abilities come into play as soon as she steps through the door. I sense a dark presence. Her name is Bathsheba. The house was indeed once occupied by a certain Bathsheba Thayer. Among her four children, three died in infancy. Despite the high infant mortality rates of the time, heavy suspicions fell on the mother, who was first ostracized and then accused of Satanism. Unable to bear it all, she supposedly hanged herself in her garden. After the Warren's arrival, the ghost of Bathsheba tries to possess Carolyn Perron. Unintelligible phrases come out of her mouth in an unfamiliar language with a voice that is not her own. This trance lasts for several hours, with no one able to do anything. The next day, Edward and Lorraine get to work and begin cleansing the house of all its evil spirits. Unfortunately, after several days, the demon seems to be provoked by their actions. 
it becomes increasingly violent and once again targets Carolyn. For safety reasons, her husband asks the Warrens to leave. The Perrons couldn't move out due to financial difficulties. Their ordeal would only end in 1980, when they could finally leave the cursed residence. In 1984, this time, Ed and Lorraine are called to help a possessed child. This case, initially seemingly ordinary for the Warrens, would take on a tragic and media-driven scale. 11-year-old David Gladsell claims to have seen a ghost in the form of an old man. As his visions multiply and David exhibits strange behavior, the family turns to the Warrens for help. They confirm a case of possession. David undergoes multiple exorcisms with varying degrees of success. During one of the exorcisms, David's brother-in-law, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, defies the demon. He says, Enter me, leave the little boy alone. David's sister quickly notices strange behavior in her boyfriend. He experiences hallucinations, trance-like moments, but remembers nothing. Several months later, following an altercation with his landlord, Johnson stabs him multiple times, resulting in his death. The day after the murder, Lorraine Warren informs the local police that Johnson acted under the influence of a demon. This becomes Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's defense throughout the trial, which would become known as the Devil Made Me Do It case. However, Johnson is still found guilty. All these cases have made the Warren couple the most famous ghost hunters. However, they have been and continue to be highly controversial. The Annabelle doll is believed by some to be nothing more than a fantasy fueled by old films about demonic dolls. An heir of the Glatza family has claimed that the Johnson possession story was fabricated by the Warrens to gain attention. They are accused of manufacturing evidence. Moreover, for many occult enthusiasts, even the famous Amityville hunting case on which the couple investigated and wrote a book is believed to be entirely fabricated. Edward and Lorraine Warren eagerly pursued the most bizarre cases to make a name for themselves. Amassing an impressive 10,000 files, they became media monsters, inspiring numerous films. Although both of them have since passed away, you haven't heard the last of them and their stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fabulous Destinies. Feel free to share with us stories that you would like to hear on your favorite listening platform or via Baba Bam's Instagram or Twitter page. We'll be happy to discover them.